0: Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, you, you're going to be a little bit surprised tonight. Our text for this evening is two full chapters, but don't worry. I'm not going to keep you more than three hours. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things as he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil, and you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars, and have borne and have patience and for my name's sake have labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will. Come unto you quickly, and I will remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to you the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So hold your finger there at, that, at the next section. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just ask you tonight, Lord, as we look at this passage, God, that you would give us clarity of thought and ease of expression, Lord, that you would anoint our message here, God, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us as a church, we love you and give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I was beginning to travel a little bit this year, this is my first Uh, my second year with the ministry, but my first year to kind of travel a little bit to have the privilege to speak at churches. I've gotten to speak at churches in Missouri, in Massachusetts, in Tennessee, in Texas, just a few places around. The Lord gave me this message as a message for us to look at individually and for the church to look at collectively. This is seven diagnostic questions For the believer and for the church from Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Seven questions that we can ask and how they apply to us individually. When we look at our text, John had been banished to the island of Patmos. And while he was there, he was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit while worshiping God. (coughs) Excuse me. Being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, he was shown things that were shortly going to take place. And we don't have time to elaborate on all of the things that are mentioned there in the beginning of the message that John begins to mention. But before showing John the things that must shortly take place, he saw a vision of the risen Lord. And in that vision, he saw seven golden candlesticks that represented the seven ages or the seven dispensations of the church age. So John was given a message to each of these seven churches. So the first church that we read was Ephesus. Ephesus was the crossroads of civilization. It was the de facto capital of the providence. It was known as the supreme metropolis of Asia. The Roman governor resided there in Ephesus. It was located on the western coast of Asia Minor. It was at the convergence of three great highways from the north the east and the south, Ephesus was the trade center of the area. One commentator called Ephesus the vanity fair of the ancient world. Religiously, Ephesus was the center of worship of the fertility goddess, known in Greek as Artemis, <coughs> excuse me, and romanticized as Diana, that we read about in Acts chapter 19, verse 24. The temple with the statue of Artemis is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So even though they were set against this background, the Ephesian Christians had many things going for them. They worked hard. How many of you still believe in hard work? You understand that ministry and the Christian life? and I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I thank God that we live in a great country, and when you work hard, you can still make something of yourself. Amen? I know that in Southeast Texas, everybody knows a thing or two about working hard because uh, I I pastored in Southeast Texas. My in-laws are from Southeast Texas, so we understand hard work here. They worked hard. They upheld biblical doctrine. Now, how many of you know doctrine is important? And knowing what the word says is important. I I, I heard one uh, famous preacher analyzing the downfall of another famous preacher, and basically he said that the other preacher had his downfall because he didn't understand good doctrine, and that was definitely part of his downfall. He didn't understand doctrine. This word is important, and doctrine is important. So all of you that teach Sunday School Children's Church girls' ministries, Royal Rangers, all of those things. It's important what you're putting in our kids and our youth mind. Good doctrine, good sound doctrine, because there's so much weird stuff out there, and so much stuff that's not biblical out there. So we got to know good doctrine. What does this word say? We can't live this word if we don't know this word. Good sound doctrine. Whenever Brother Swaggart. Started the Sunlight Broadcasting Network about twelve years ago. They said it'll never work because nobody will watch a channel with just your own churches, uh, you know, just your services and your shows. You've got to sell time to other preachers. And they said, "No, the Lord told me to just have our ministry on this channel." And by the grace of God, the Sunlight Broadcasting Network now reaches over a hundred nations. It's incredible what God has done in just 12 short years so they worked hard they upheld biblical doctrine and morality they persevered in the face of hardship but they were doing all of God's work without God's love without his love in verse 4 he said yet I hold this against you you have forsaken the love you had at first Although Jesus didn't define this lost love, he taught that the love of God and the love of your neighbor go hand in hand. How many of you know we're called to love God and called to love others? And sometimes people are hard to love. I'm not talking about any of you, I'm talking about me. But sometimes people are hard to love. But he said, you're doing all these great things, but you're doing it without the love of God and the love for your neighbor. That's what was lacking in the hard work and the good doctrine and the perseverance was the love. So Jesus' concern here is we stay in love with him and the people that he wants us to serve. So our first diagnostic question from Ephesus, are we in love with Jesus and are we in love with his church? Christ died for the church. He died for the church. He loves the church. A lot of people want to, Pile on the church, and they say the church is this, and the church is that, and this pastor did this, and this pastor did that to me. If you get on social media, you see all of these great experts saying, "Oh, well, churches should do this, and churches should do that." I had one gentleman who told me that we should shut down the services at Family Worship Center and just allow all the homeless to come in to the sanctuary. And they can live inside the sanctuary because it seats so many people. That's what we should do. Now, reaching out to the homeless is important. Feeding, clothing at our church, any person can come into this uh, building we have called the Blessing Closets, and you can, uh, you know, you can get housewares, you can get clothes, you can get things that you need for living in your apartment or living in your home, all free walk in and come in so I believe in helping people but our main primary focus obviously just like in this sanctuary here is not to house everybody a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what churches should do and they like to uh, mock the church and they like to be negative about the church if you are a Christian especially if you're a pastor then don't be negative about the church on social media but say hey And if you don't like something about church, then ask the Lord, what can I do to make it better? How can you, what can I do? I promise you, if people would go into churches without this consumer attitude of what the church can do for me, but what can I do for the Lord? This is is not J.R. Armstrong's church. This is not the assemblies of God's church. This is God's church. And Jesus died for the church, and he loves the church. So a lot of people like to say what the church should do and shouldn't do, but in the work, in the hard work of all this stuff, in, in the midst of all the stuff they did, they were doing the work of God without the love of God. Let's look at verse 8. This is the church in Smyrna. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write these things, says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know your works. Your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and you may be tried, and you may have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death so number two the second question we ask ourselves the church in smyrna do we stand strong when we're tested do we stand strong when we're tested the christians at smyrna lived under difficult circumstances in verse 9 he said i know your afflictions and your poverty these afflictions were demonic in origin in verse 10 he says the devil will put some of you into prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. How many of you know that people around the world are suffering persecution for the cause of Christ? We think in America that we are persecuted whenever, somebody, whenever Facebook takes down our posts. We think we're suffering persecution. But some people in this world are facing very death. They're very death at the thought of gathering together, coming together. The government is persecuting them do we stand strong when we're tested? I told you this morning that if somebody told you that when you became a Christian, your life was going to be easy, they lied to you. Because the devil likes to ramp up things against you when you turn your life over to Christ. Do we stand strong when we are tested? These these afflictions that we're going through, they, they were demonic in origin. And the letter to Smyrna reminds us that no Christian is immune to suffering. Regardless of spiritual maturity or social status. You will notice this jumped out at me in this passage. Jesus did not promise to remove their difficulties. He didn't say, I'm going to take this suffering and persecution away from you. He never says that in here. But he says that if you will be faithful, even unto the point of death, I will give you life as your victor's crown. If you serve Jesus just for earthly benefits, just for you think you're going to be rich or you think everything's going to always be great, hardship and persecution will derail you and potentially destroy you. We sang about heaven tonight. To stand strong in times of testing, we need to have a heavenly focus. We're not, this world's not our home. We're just passing through. Amen. So do we stand strong in time of test? I could sit here, a very simple question, say how many of you are going through a time of testing? Most of you would probably raise your hand. Do we stand strong like the church in Smyrna through the times of testing? Question number three, verse 12. And unto the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things that he who has a sharp sword with two edges I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. You hold fast my name and have not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because there then who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication... So have you to them who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will, come, I will come unto you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and a stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he who receives it. So the church at Pergamum, they lived where Satan has his throne, according to verse 13. Christians might inhabit the same city as the devil, but you can resist the pressure that he puts upon, upon you. They can resist the pressure of the enemy that he puts upon us. It reminded me, reading this passage, of the city of New Orleans. Now, when we first moved to Baton Rouge... One night I said, I want to go to New Orleans. When we first got there, I want to go to Cafe Dumont and eat uh, beignets. They were supposed to be open. We drove all the way over there from my house, about a 50 minute drive. We got there, and because of the pandemic, they were closed, and it was very disappointing. But sometimes I like to go over to New Orleans during the daytime just for the food just to eat, or there's a lot of historical things. There's a World War II museum that I'd like to go to at some point. But it reminded me of this. You guys have heard the phrase in Austin, Texas, keep Austin weird. Maybe you've ever been to the state capitol, been to Austin and heard keep Austin weird. Austin has nothing on New Orleans. New Orleans is just weird. New Orleans is really something, I mean, Austin looks like your local suburb compared to New Orleans. New Orleans, that's what this city reminded me of. They lived under pressure in their city. They lived where Satan has his throne. Now, understand, New Orleans has a lot of good Christian people there, pastors and ministries, and I'm just admonishing us all we should pray for them because they've got a hard, hard job out there. Jesus said, you did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city. Our question for the Pergamos church, question number three, is are we producing and are we being biblical disciples? Are we producing biblical disciples? Are we being biblical disciples? We're not just called to get people saved, but we're called to make them a disciple. A disciple is a lifelong follower Of Jesus, a deep-rooted follower of Jesus, but Pergamum they were they were hanging tough in the midst of all this pressure, and they tolerated the teaching of Balaam. According to Numbers chapter 31 verse 16, Balaam enticed the people of Israel to practice immorality. The Israelites they wanted the benefits of salvation, but they didn't want to count the cost of discipleship. Pergamum reminds us to live and lead and disciple biblically so we can avoid repeating this error. A lot of people say, I like, I like the Christianity thing. I like being a Christian. I wear a cross around my neck. I wear something that, yeah, sure, I'm a Christian. Most people, if you stopped them on, a, on the road and said, hey, are you a Christian? they say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Most people would identify as a Christian. But how many of you know being a Christian is not just wearing a cross around your neck, it's not just saying, oh, I like this Christianity thing, but it's becoming a sold-out disciple of Jesus. Are we a deep-rooted, sold-out disciple? Because like I mentioned previously, there are people in this world being really persecuted for their faith. If someone, God forbid, put a gun to your head and said, renounce Jesus, or I'm going to pull the trigger, what would we do? I hope that we would stand strong in the face of trials. Are we producing disciples? The children and the young people of this church, we're not just trying to get saved, but to make them disciples. Who is going to teach the next generation the message of Pentecost and the message of the gospel if it's not not these young people that you're investing in? You and I are not going to be around forever. I always laugh because a lot of people come up to me and they say, Oh, I'm so glad that uh, they brought you on at JSM. I'm so glad for all these young preachers that are there, that Gabe brought in all these young preachers. And I don't have the heart to tell them I'm older than Gabe. I'm 44 years old. I'm not one of these young... Sean Murphy and Paris Reagan, they're about 30 years old. Jonathan Steele in their late 20s, right at 30. I'm 44, people. So I'm at, my, I'm at the prime. I'm at my sweet spot. I don't know how long God is going to have me around. I hope it's a long time should the Lord tarry. But I've got a responsibility at the Bible college to make disciples, lifelong followers of Jesus. You and I, we've got to not just get people saved but get them discipled. Are we producing not just disciples but biblical disciples, good disciples? Sound doctrine. I told you doctrine was important. Let's look at verse eighteen. Under the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things. Said the Son of God, who His eyes are like the flame of fire, His feet are like fine brass. I know your works and charity and service and faith and your patience and your works. And the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you suffer that woman Jezebel which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto Every one of you, according to your works. But unto you I say, and the rest in Thyatira, as many have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak. I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold fast. And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thyatira was a small military town at the junction of two valleys. Jesus said to the Christians there, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, And now you are doing more than you did at first in verse 19. One other translation interprets it and says, I can see your constant improvement in all things. I can see your improvement in all these things. What a great evaluation to hear from Jesus. I can see that you're improving. We should always want to improve as we serve Jesus and as we minister to others, so our fourth question is: Are we improving constantly? What can we not? Are we working towards salvation? How many of you make we make it clear? We're not saved by our works; we're saved by the blood of Jesus. We talked about that this morning. But what are we doing to improve in our life and in our ministry? Are we improving constantly? Jesus said, "I can see your works, and I can see your constant improvement." In these things, interestingly enough, Thyatira was the smallest city, but it got the longest letter. Sometimes we dismiss the importance of a smaller church in a smaller community. How many of you know God is doing some powerful things in smaller churches and smaller communities? It doesn't matter if you're in Houston, Texas, or you're in Mauriceville, Texas. Don't discount what God can do in a smaller community. Through the smaller church. Thyatira got the longest letter. It was the smallest church because he's showing us here that don't despise a day of small beginnings. And even if you're in the rural community or or the smaller church, you are still important. And what you're doing is important. What you're doing in this church is important. It's just as important what you're doing here at Mauriceville Assembly of God as what we're doing in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You say, well, at Family Worship Center, you're broadcast throughout the entire world. Yes, and we get tons of emails and people saying they accepted Jesus. It's an awesome privilege to be a part of. But God has not called Mauriceville Assembly to be Family Worship Center. God has called Mauriceville Assembly to reach its world. And I know through the YouTube broadcast, through the Facebook broadcast, people are watching this church and are being ministered to from all over. So don't be discouraged or discount or think we're just out in the the rural area. The two churches I pastored were both in rural communities. I thank God for the smaller churches in the smaller town. Thyatira was the smallest church. It got the longest letter. We cannot dismiss the importance of smaller churches and smaller communities. It's amazing to me, Brother Swaggert came from Faraday, Louisiana. Now, Faraday, Louisiana is a very small town, nothing real, you know. Now, across the bridge is Natchez, Mississippi. Natchez, Mississippi is a nice town, but Faraday is kind of a run-down place. That's where he came from. And a lot of people don't understand that his uncle, Lee Calhoun, he was the richest man in the parish. He was a very powerful, politically committed man. One day he was driving by and two ladies were in a field and they were clearing out the field with their bare hands. They had no tools or anything. He said, what are you ladies doing? And they said, we're going to build a church here on this property. And he said, the two of you are going to build a church on the property? He said, yeah. So he wound up paying... For the building, the completion of that first building. He gave them a loan, uh, very, and uh, no interest. They paid him back, but he gave them the money to build that first church there, what became the first Assembly of God Church in Faraday, Louisiana. Those two ladies that were there, that was the mother and the sister of Lester Summerall. Have Have you ever heard of Lester Summerall and the ministry of Lester Summerall? Such a powerful. Powerful uh, missionary evangelist, planted churches all over the world, wrote tons of books, a powerful man of God. It blew, I had no idea until I was there and heard the history that out of that little Faraday Louisiana church came Lester Summerall and then later on came Brother Swaggart. You just never know who is sitting in these smaller churches. I mean, I'm from Quinlan, Texas and I would not dare even compare myself to Lester Summerall or Brother Swagger, but I've had the privilege to preach on the network throughout the whole world. You just don't know who God is going to use, so don't discount being in a smaller church. For Jesus, a church's size doesn't indicate its significance. He calls us all churches, big and small, to improve constantly. The churches that improve, He promises to give authority over the nations in verse 26. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. And the angel of the church of Sardis writes, These things said the Lord who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, and you live, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which re- that remain and are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent, if therefore you shall not watch I will come on you as a thief and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you you have a few names even in Sardis which have not def- who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy he who overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name in the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches sardis at sardis there was an incongruity jesus said in verse 1 i know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive but you're dead so our question question number 5 of the church of sardis does our reputation match our reality does our reputation match our reality the name of Jesus, the name of Christ was on the church door, but the fruit of Christ was absent in the lives of the members. In verse 2 and 3, he gives us the remedy. He says, Strengthen that remain, what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember the things therefore you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Sardis is a sobering reminder that every church is only one generation away from becoming spiritually dead every church is only one generation that's why what you're doing with the youth ministry and the children's ministry is so important if you don't teach these young people this the message of pentecost and what it means to be a christian we're going to become spiritually dead we're only one generation away i believe that the things that happened in the past i told you this morning I'm a Pentecostal charismatic historian. I love to study the moves of God, and I love to study what God did. But we cannot assume that yesterday's faith is going to be here tomorrow. We've got to cultivate it. We've got to preach it, and we've got to believe it for today. Amen? How many of you, yourself, you say, I was in the great move of God in the past, and I saw God do great miraculous things in the past? Well, that's wonderful, and that's awesome, and we came to Jesus, and, and we were involved in this great move of God in the past, but God wants to do even greater things in the future. How many of you believe God for big things in the future? Believe in God for a big outpouring of His Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to see the miraculous like we've never seen before. I believe in God for healing To be in our churches I believe God for the moving and manifestation of the Holy Spirit to be in our churches our reputation it has to match our reality it's a reminder that every church is one generation away from becoming spiritually dead our churches have a wonderful legacy they have a wonderful legacy, but we can't live on the past. This church has a wonderful legacy of what God has done. I told you this morning, I, the former pastor is someone that I respect very greatly. He poured a lot into my life, into my wife's life when she was a teenager. A lot of great things happened in the past, but we've got to believe God for even a greater future. We've got to be Jesus-centered and Spirit-empowered and Bible-engaged and missionally active to be the church that God has called us to be. Verse 7, verse 7 of chapter 3, if you're still with me, wave at me. All right, good, you're still with me. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia... Write these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. For you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come worship before your feet and to know... That I have loved you because you have kept the word of my patience. I will also keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them who dwell upon the earth. Behold I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have that no man take your crown. Him who overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So question number six. Do we walk through the doors that God has opened? Do we walk through the doors God has opened? Philadelphia was founded to spread the Greek language throughout the culture, to spread it eastward. It was the, the center Of what was called Hellenism or the worship of Helen, the goddess. It was an influential, important city. The Philadelphian church, in verse 8, they had little strength. But Jesus said, I know you've got little strength, but I'm going to place before you a door that no one can shut. They were weak, but he was strong. They were weak, but he was strong. Think of all the blessings that we have that the Philadelphian church didn't have. We have financial blessings. We have technological resources, things that were not available to Philadelphia. But he said, I know you've got little strength. I know you're weak, but I am strong. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to open the door that no man can shut. I believe God is going to open the door in your life the next six months to a year, both individually and as a church, gonna open doors that no man can shut. One person now, when I came to JSM, most of the response from people I knew and, and people that knew me was very positive. But one individual said, Well, why do you get to be on TV? Why do you get to be on shows with Brother Swagger? What makes you so special? And I said, I'm nothing makes me special. But God opened the door for me, and He didn't open the door for you. And I'm not trying to say that braggadociously. I'm trying to say that if you don't think that my knees were knocking, and I felt like the church here, that I had little strength, then then, then you don't understand how it's been for me. But when the door was open, I walked through that door. I said, Lord, I'm going to ride this horse as long as it'll go. I don't know how long you're going to have me there. But thank you for opening the door. God is going to open the door for you in situations and places that you feel overwhelmed. You feel underprepared. You feel like, Lord, I can't do this. He's saying, walk through that door because you've got little strength, but I've got all the strength. I'm going to help you. Amen? God is going to open doors for this ministry, things that you cannot even imagine. It's amazing what God has already opened in the world of missions and in Africa and the things that this church is doing to affect the world for Jesus. And I believe God is going to continue. to So when God opens the door, you don't have to be arrogant. You don't have to be haughty. But understand that God called you to this. He didn't call other people. He called you. And I believe in God for open doors in your life. Open doors on the job. Open doors for things that you've been praying for when that door opens, walk through it. All right, question 7, verse 14. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, says the amen, and the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I would have you either be caught or uh, cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth, because you say, I am am rich and increased with goods, and I am in need of nothing. And knowest not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in fire that you may be rich and white raiment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with with him and sup with him and he with me. To him who overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So question number seven, as a church and individually... The church of Laodicea, have we invited Jesus to the table? Have we invited Jesus to the table? Laodicea had a problem with its water supply. Heropolis was to the northeast. It was known for its hot sulfur water. People would go lay in these sulfur baths and they would get relief for their, hurting, for their soreness and hurting bodies. Colossae was to the southeast. It was known for its cold water, an aqueduct brought Laodicea water from the hot spring, but by the time the water got to the city, it was tepid. The Laodicean church was like its water supply. It was neither hot nor cold. It was lukewarm. Now, how many of you like to drink coffee? I love to drink coffee. I drink too much coffee. I drink coffee too much coffee. But one thing I do not like is cold or lukewarm coffee. If I drink cold or lukewarm coffee, I may spew it out of my mouth. It's got to be hot. And I probably drink it too hot, but I like it hot. And here, the, the water was lukewarm. It wasn't cold. It wasn't hot. There was nothing to refresh the people of Laodicea spiritually or to satisfy them spiritually. Laodicea brought considerable resources to the table of ministry But those resources weren't good. In verse 17, Jesus says, You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 20 identifies who is missing in this whole thing. He says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and eat with that person and they with me. We use this verse sometimes when we are... Witnessing to non-believers and calling them to come to Christ. I remember as a kid, I, re- I memorized Romans 3:23 and Romans 6:23 and John 1:9 and John 1:12, and the last part was Revelation 3:20. That's what we would tell people while witnessing. But this was not written. This was not written to non-believers. This was written to Christians. Think about that. The Laodiceans had locked Jesus out of his own church. And he had to knock and ask to come back in. What a sobering, terrible thought to think they had locked him out of his own church. The American church has lots of material resources at their disposal, but I never want to be at a place where our money and our resources takes the place of Jesus at the table at the center of what we're doing. Imagine that. Have we invited Jesus to the table? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was not for unbelievers. This was for Christians. This was for the church. Everything that we do is not to glorify our own personal name, not to glorify our denomination, not to try to build our own brand but to have Jesus at the center of all of it. Amen. So are we like the church in Ephesus? Are we in love with Jesus? And are we in love with his church? Are we like the church in Smyrna? Do we stand strong when we're tested? Are we like the church of Pergamos? Are we producing and are we becoming biblical disciples? Are we like the church of Thyatira? Are we improving constantly? Are we like the church in Sardis? Does our reputation match our reality? Are we like the church at Philadelphia? Do we walk through the doors that God is opening and has opened? And are we like the church at Laodicea? Are we inviting Jesus to the table? These are the questions for us tonight as a church and as an individual. So many people trying to do it on their own strength. They haven't invited Jesus in, invited him to the table. So if you bow your heads with me, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I told you we would get through seven churches in record time. Obviously, this is just a brief overview of each of these churches. But you can say our our preacher preached two chapters and didn't go too long. But I want us to think about these questions for a moment. Are you standing strong when you're tested today? I could say, are you going through a test? And half the people here or more would raise their hand. I'm going through a test. Say, are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with the church? You say, I have a hard time because I've been hurt so much. I tell you, churches are full of imperfect people and you're going to get hurt. But it's not about the people. It's about worshiping Christ and and learning to love one another are we making disciples is the lord calling you to teach a sunday school class to help out with children's ministry to help out with royal rangers are you making disciples in your life people that you know or does your reputation match your reality you claim to be pentecostal you claim to be a christian but is what is your life living that out bearing that out are you improving constantly in all things? Are you walking through the doors that God has opened? You've been praying for an open door, and I believe in God. He's going to open that door soon. You've got to walk through that door and have you invited Jesus to the table. Stand with me tonight. I want to pray for you. You say, Brother Dave, one of these, one of these things or, or multiple of these churches applies to me and applies to what God is doing and speaking to me in my life, then I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you tonight. Any of these things. Thank you for being honest. There's a lot of areas to hit here with these seven churches for us to learn. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for each person here tonight under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that we would continue, Lord, to improve in what we're doing we would continue to seek to be a disciple, to make disciples. Lord, that we would walk through the doors that You open. We're believing, God, that You're gonna open doors for our career, for our family, for our ministry, to minister to others. Help us, Lord, to walk through those doors. Father, that we would not try to do things in our own strength, but that we would invite You to the table to make sure that everything that we do it's centered around you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you tonight, Lord. We thank you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah.